Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. It's May, which is exciting because hopefully wherever you are, the weather is getting nicer. And it's also the first day of Mental Health Awareness Month. Now, on this podcast, I feel like every day is Mental Health Awareness Month because um, we're talking about it all the time. So it doesn't really matter if the month is also talking about it. But it's still very, very special. And this episode of the podcast is a super fun one with... Blake and Lacey of Macabre Americana. They're a folk fusion band based in New York City. And we talk about their music. We talk about their latest release, which you'll also hear at the end of this episode. But we also talk about Mental Health Awareness Month and why we have such a stigma around mental health, particularly in the music industry, as well as what we can do to work towards getting rid of it. So this was a really fun episode. I had a great time chatting with them, and I hope that you enjoy it too. Hey guys, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. I'm here with Lacey and Blake of Macabre Americana, a really, really amazing band based in New York. And before we talk about the band, I want you guys to introduce yourselves individually and tell us how you got into music in the first place. So let's start with Lacey. Well, hey everyone. Um, my name is Lacey. I uh, got into music from a really, really young age. I've been doing musicals since as long as I can remember. Um, I met Blake and Laura, two people in our band, um, at Emerson. I was studying musical theater there. And I actually ended up leaving after my sophomore year, moving out to LA, really pursuing acting out there, but ended up doing a lot of children's musicals. Um, I've always been in bands as well as musicals, so it's kind of been this, this dual life I've lived for a long time. Um, and moving back to New York, I decided I really just wanted to pursue music. Um, Blake and I lived together, so I brought him a song, and um, it ended up being the first song we ever recorded, Centralia. Um, and that's kind of how we got together, and now we're a full-fledged band. That's awesome. So there's obviously some overlap in the story here, but Blake, how did you get started with music? Well, I was born in Colorado, and we had a uh, piano in my house in my mom's house that uh, belonged to my grandmother and it was completely out of tune and untunable but when I was like three years old I, my mom would catch me climbing up onto the bench and playing around with it um, so I started writing music when I was six like officially quote-unquote uh, and then same thing I went to school uh, with Lacey at Emerson College and studied musical theater and found that there was a lot of overlap between the music and the theater world and Right after I graduated, I wound up moving to South Korea to work for a children's theater company developing children's musicals for the Korean government. And it was there that I kind of decided that I was going to take a step back from acting and pursue music and songwriting full time. Cut to Lacey and I living together in New York City, uh, starting what, 2015, I think? And yeah. we, this, this band happened because Lacey just like peeked her head in my room and she was like, hey, I have this song that I kind of like half wrote. Do you want to hear it? And then here we are four years later talking about Cop Americana with you. So Blake, you've been writing songs since you were six, which is incredible. Lacey, when did you start writing? Was it when you moved back to New York and kind of got back in the swing of the music stuff? No, I actually started writing music at around age 13 um, when I learned how to play the guitar. I, I wanted to start writing music. So I learned how to play the guitar as my tool to write. Um, I've always written songs with music first and lyrics second. That's just how I've always done it. So I 
I wanted to learn guitar and that was sort of my my in and my my dad's a guitar player bass player so at 13 I said okay that's it I'm learning the guitar and um have been writing songs ever since that's really cool. I love that you also both mentioned the whole musical theater influences because when I saw you guys in, what was it, March of this year? Something like that. Um, I, it was an amazing show. You put it on an amazing show and somebody next to me was like, I feel like you can tell that they all did musical theater as kids. And I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah. But in a, gr in a good way, not in like a nerdy way or anything. In like a really good way in that you were so immersed in the performance and so just like really storytelling everything that you are singing and performing for us so it's and it was so engaging so it's like all the good check boxes of musical theater i love musical theater i also think it's really really helped us with harmonies um mm -hmm. after you know seeing so many other bands and their harmonies and how they they write harmonies i mean we have laura who does all of our arranging for our harmonies and they're so weird and tight but we are all so used to singing that way that it's easy to learn it's quick like we love um our band really does harmony so well and i think being for musical theater it's it's just organic to us yeah i also think that we're living in a time right now where kind of like how it was in the 50s 60s and 70s musical theater and pop music are starting to see a crossover again i think after frozen happened things kind of took a turn and then we saw what happened with Hamilton, and now everyone who's writing for Broadway are pop writers. You have Sarah Bareilles on Broadway, Regina mm -hmm. Spector's writing a musical. Yeah. It's really moving in that direction, so it's whenever we hear, you guys have such a musical theater influence, we're kind of humbled by it because we totally are musical theater dorks at heart who also happen to love rock and roll, so yeah, that's, that's Yeah, good. same with, the, when you say that too, with The Greatest Showman, like, they did the whole movie and then which was kind of pop-esque in its music as it oh, is yeah. and then they recorded like the whole soundtrack with actual like pop and country whatever artists yeah. which was like it they you're so right they really are merging so but you guys are not a musical theater band so tell us like no. what is macabre americana sure macabre americana is a folk fusion we made that term up because <laughs> we kind of couldn't put ourselves in a box we're not rock we're not musical theater, we're not... Um, Americana, we're not gospel. Yeah, we're, all... we're kind of our own thing. Yeah, the the mission statement of our band is we are a folk, a New York City-based folk fusion collective whose music sheds light on, uh, light on the dark side of the American dream. Okay, so tell me about this. So way back when, Lacey comes into your room and she's like, I wrote a song. How are you now having a whole band all about the dark side of history. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> because we love, I, I don't know if I can, can I curse on this please? Yes, you can. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> we love fucked up shit. Yeah. Um, I grew up listening to 60s and 70s music and it was so politically driven and, and dark. A lot of the songs were kind of dark and, and all of these stories. Um, and I, I'm also a big like true crime fanatic. I love that stuff. Laura loves it. Blake loves it. With that's kind of our band. We like these darker, grittier sounds, grittier stories, and that's sort of where it came from. Um, Centralia is a song about a town in Pennsylvania that has been burning for how long? Like 1965, I think, is when it started. Yeah. 
Um, and it doesn't have a zip code anymore. And I kind of wanted to write a story about these people that had to leave a place that actually doesn't exist anymore. It's not like, oh, you know, I'm a New Yorker, but I moved to LA, but I dream about New York. It's leaving New York and New York not even existing anymore. And, and it's sort of turned into a, a refugee anthem um, because I, I think that's what a lot of refugees feel. They have to leave this place, but the place that they left, it just doesn't even exist as that place anymore. Yeah. Totally. It's cool. When we, before the music component even entered the, the picture, the three of us realized that what we all have in common, aside from music and theater, is this really intense love of history. And all of what I like to tell people about Macabre Americana specifically is that the music that you're going to hear when you come hear us play are all of the stories that the history books left out. So we never learned about Centralia, Pennsylvania when we were taking American History 101 because why would U.S. history classes want to teach you about a mining town in Pennsylvania who's had a fire literally burning underneath it since 1965? Why would a history book want to teach you about the life and times of Congresswoman Maxine Waters? So these are the kinds of things that pique our interest and right now I think we're living in a a divisive time where a lot of things are being left out, not only just in the history books, but in the news. And our whole mission is to try to make sure that those stories are being captured and preserved in, uh, preserved in song. When you guys write songs, are you having to like actually do a lot of research and go back to history books or um, autobiographies or anything and do research to get ideas from history and learn new things as you go and as you try to grow the band? Yes and no. I mean, I think we get, we um, kind of come up, we, we write a lot of the music first and then we kind of talk about what is missing um, from our catalog. So, you know, with Mother, I really wanted to write a blues, the gospel song. That's what I wanted. And we talked about sort of what, what have we not written about? What have we, you know, what's kind of missing? What do we need? And we all kind of were like, well, we kind of need a song about taking care of the environment and, and what that is and being green. And, and um, so I sort of went home and I said, okay, like, I'll, you know, turn this out. Um, so we do a lot of bit of, of that. Um, because we want to be a well-rounded band. We don't want anyone coming to our shows and kind of feeling like, oh, my story's left out. So mm -hmm. we, we continually try to find subjects and find stories that we haven't sung about. Totally. It's fun. So cool. It's fun when we write. Um, we have a song that we've been working on for like probably a year now called Songbird. And it's uh, pulled from a lot of different stories, um, but it focuses on the, the murder of this woman. And we literally pulled from the folk music canon all of these different references to uh, different political bands from the 70s. And like, there's a Joni Mitchell reference in there. Um, and it's, it is really fun because once we write like our baseline song, we go back and then we really try to tailor it so that we have all these really kooky, fun, specific references so that as Lacey was saying, everyone feels like their story is being told up on stage. That's so amazing. It really, if you go to your shows and it feels very inclusive and it feels very fun, even though it is about 
history and things that people might not know about. It's not anything where you're like, what the hell is going on? I don't get it. It's something that everyone can relate to. And, and it, most of the songs are either very upbeat or just so like touching and emotional. So no matter what the theme of the song is, the, the music of it really does speak to you. So how long have you guys actually been performing together for? So this is our fourth, fourth this year. Is our fourth year, yeah, yeah. And now this year, you've begun to release one song each month. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? We decided not to do the traditional um, album because our songs are so different, kind of live within their own universe. Um, but also that we live in a time that that albums aren't necessary. So it's kind of fun to to utilize our songs within a you know justice platform is, is that the right word social justice Where, yeah like a social justice platform so we we went through our songs and we kind of connected them to each month um whether it's black history month or earth day or you know um mental health awareness month we we chose all of the songs that we wanted to record to exist within that month and exist within you know, their own universe, which also meant we got to do um, cover art from all of our friends that was all different and which was really fun. And we got to highlight some of our friends and different artists that, that we know as well. What we noticed at every performance that we had, because we were in residence at Rockwood Music Hall for a year. And what we noticed time after time after time is people would come up, come up to us and say, we don't know how to categorize your band. We don't know what what style you guys use. It's you 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 cross so many different genres and you and you do it so seamlessly. And we decided that logistically it just didn't, didn't make sense to produce a full-fledged album because the storyline, quote unquote, of every album is usually something cohesive, whereas each of these songs are standalone. We've talked about maybe after the releases finish out in June, um, maybe putting them together on a record. But when we launched our super gratefully successful Indiegogo campaign, that was our whole aim, was to make sure that people knew that these were going to be once a month releases. So are you releasing six songs then? Yes. And yeah. May's song for Mental Health Awareness Month is called Black Dog. Can you tell us yes. about the story behind that, how you came to write it, and what it means and why you wanted to put it out during Mental Health Awareness Month? Yeah, so Black Dog, I was listening to an NPR story about Winston Churchill's battle with depression, and he used to call his depression the Black Dog. And I thought that was so beautiful and sad at the same time and I really wanted to write a song about it um I've battled with depression and anxiety for as long as I can remember it's been sort of a double-edged sword as an artist um I do think it, it gives me a tool to be uh, sensitive and kind of wear my heart on my sleeve but it also makes me exhausted and stressed and um it's hard to be a performer i had a really really tough time through college especially i ended up leaving emerson due to uh, ulcers that i was giving myself from being so um depressed and anxious and i kind of had to find myself after that i also 
the depression and anxiety caused me to get notes, which really harmed my singing. And it, it kind of this depression with singing were sort of hand in hand. So I stopped singing for quite a long time after leaving, I think maybe five or six years. And after moving in with Blake was when I started singing again. And I kind of refound my voice and Black Dog, I think, was the second song that I really wrote um, for Macabre. And it was my experience of feeling like this, this dog, this animal that kind of lives with me and follows me around and dictates how I feel all the time could also be my friend. And I can kind of live with this thing if I contain it. Um, so that was kind of, you know, what I wanted to write about. When Lacey brought, I think you brought, what, a verse and a chorus about Black Dog? Yeah. I had never heard about this Winston Churchill story uh, about him calling his depression the Black Dog. I haven't either. I mean, who has? <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like exactly. you wish so that that they would talk about that more because it is such an interesting thing and also important for us to know that like people who are in power or just like our well-known figures also struggled with this. I think sometimes we see yes. all of these people who we admire or, or don't admire, you know, whatever you think of them, but who are like in our, the forefront of society or publicity, like we think that they're all invincible, but that's simply not true. A lot of them can be really impactful and still struggle with things that so many of us also struggle with. Totally. Especially I, Winston Churchill. I mean, he's seen as such a powerhouse of World War II and this, you know, strong man who said, you know, keep calm and carry on and we're going to be fine and we're going to get through it. Yet he was struggling himself. Um, so this idea that, that if you're bad in the depression, you can't be strong. The, those two things are two separate ideas. You can be a strong person. You can be... Um, someone who who fights for people every day and fights for themselves every day but also struggles totally every day. I, I think another like really interesting part about the whole black dog narrative is i we, you know when lacy brought the talk to me we we did a bunch of i did a bunch of research on it and i came to find out that it might actually be this like speculated rumor that he called it the black dog and i think that that is also just a really fun part of what our band does is not only talking about unknown stories but also questioning things that we've heard and questioning history and trying to figure out our own understanding of how things went down because there's this whole like side set of um historians who have come to have come out and said like oh no winston churchill actually didn't call his depression the black dog but regardless of whether or not it's true, we loved the symbolism and we loved the fact that this was something that could have happened and it serves our story so well. So we've, so, uh, you know, it was just awesome to have Lacey bring it to the group to be like, we should absolutely fucking write about this. Um, and I think specifically for Mental Health Awareness Month, you know, shit, we like, it's just the thing we don't, we still don't know how to talk about in this country. We don't know how to express and open up. And because of our lack of focus on teaching people how to be able to express themselves, 
we have a whole waterfall of issues in this country, uh, whether it be gun violence or violence against women or violence against uh, men, rape, you, you name it. Everything really, I think, uh, most of our problems stem from this idea that we, we don't know how to talk about our brains and we don't know how to express ourselves. So it's, it's cool that we get to share this really upbeat song that Lacey brought to the table um, as a way to like talk about this. Well, I think what's weird is, uh, you know, in artists, in the artist community, you know, depression and anxiety is sort of like the tortured artist is sort of this trope that is almost held up in a positive way. Totally. And, and I think that's super dangerous. It's so bad. When someone is struggling and they, you know, are reaching out for help within their art, um, they're using that as a tool. I think a lot of people, you know, take the art, but they don't see what's going on and they sort of allow the art to exist without helping the person that is clearly, you know, screaming that they need help through their art. But everyone's like, wow, I really love this. Thanks. Yeah. Continue to do what you're doing, even though you're doing it because you're struggling. Um, do you, you know the, the, the writer Elizabeth Gilbert? She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. She has that, she's this fabulous TED talk called Your Elusive Creative Genius, where she, as Lacey was just saying, she basically like looks at this sort of almost weird worship of mental health issues within the artist community. And she says to the audience, she's like, I don't know about you guys, but like, are you all cool with this idea that mental illness should be worshiped? And she's right, because I want art and the great minds that happen within the artist community to perpetuate. Like, I don't want things to end. I want great minds to keep living, you know? Well, that's kind of what I love about this song being so upbeat and easy to listen to. And this, wow, this is so fun. I can just listen to this <laughs> anytime. And then you really listen. If you're really listening, you start to realize like, oh, this person is really struggling. And mm -hmm. that, and and kind of forcing people to really listen to a song and not just enjoy sort of the ambiance of what the song sounds like. Totally. Yeah, I love everything that you guys just said. I think the the like tortured artist thing is so damaging and it's like we dug ourselves a hole that we now have to like climb out of and figure out how to turn this around and it almost requires so much more effort because now we're at such a place of complacency where so many artists go through, um, wh whether it's anxiety, depression, anything like that, or even just feeling stressed out or unsure about how to move forward and how to balance things. And yet we just like have let that be okay for so long. So now it's on the people who choose to speak out to really be like, by the way, this is not cool <laughs> in order to make people aware of what's actually going on behind the scenes and Lacey when you bring up like people really not really not seeing what's going on I think it's a reminder for us all to just try to be a little bit more aware of not even through music but just the people who are around you notice what they're throwing down notice what they're putting out and see if it, something more is actually going on behind the scenes and see how you can help them literally just asking somebody how they are and if they need help or if they need support can be a game changer because a lot of times it's hard for people to open up and say it, but if you ask, they will tell you. Yeah, and I 
think it, it really starts with being young. I think a lot of people get into music at a young age. And for Blake and I, you know, it obviously was a musical theater. And Blake, I don't know if you feel like this was this situation, but I definitely felt this way. I don't want to, you know, shit on Emerson. It was a great place. I learned a lot. But I felt like I had this expectation to just get through it, suck it up. Um, it's not that hard you know, this is the way it's going to be in the real world. So if you can't handle it here, you can't handle it anywhere. And I kind of thought that was bullshit. Um, I think it's more important to take care of someone through their art than, than sort of say, suck it up and deal with it. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. I... 100,000% agree. What I, I think, this is, this is where I think uh, the problem lies. And, uh, you know, I work for a true storytelling organization up in the Hudson Valley in New York, and we use personal narrative and true storytelling to help foster the power of human connection. And I think that oftentimes you know, there, it's like there are, two diff, there are two modes of living. There's a group of humans over here who want to be able to express themselves, but they either A, don't know how, or B, don't have a place to express themselves. And then you have another group over here who is very similar, but because of group A, they're so afraid of any kind of expression that they just cut it off and say, nope, we don't want to talk about this. And I think... Uh, Oftentimes, and not just at you know Emerson College, but I think at a lot of arts programs and just everywhere across the country, I think when we are not teaching human beings how to a express themselves and then b how much power there is in the um, this simple notion of human connection, you, we're, we're going to be left with a lot of problems. And so I think that one of the cool things about what we do as a band is not just bring people together to listen to music, but we also foster a super safe space where people can feel totally comfortable to, to be themselves. And after every show that we play, without a doubt, someone will come up to each and every one of us and share a story about, you know, something that's going on with them and how the music helped them. And the mere act of listening, you know, everyone always says, oh, we, we talk about the mental health conversation, but there's no action. No, there is action in just sitting down across from another human being and listening to them. And conversely, being able to sit across from another, another human being and just share what's going on with you. That's the action. And if we can continue to foster that kind of, environment through the arts, I think we're going to be okay. Especially allowing um, yourself to not be perfect. And I think a lot of the times as artists, it's that is seen all the time, um, whether you have perfect makeup or the perfect body or the perfect singing voice, and especially recording, that everything needs to sound perfect. Every note is perfect. Every this is perfect. But allowing yourself to say, this is me and this is what I sound like all the time. It's not edited. It's not cleaned. It's, it's just this. And, and it's showing that in a positive, you know, self-aware, self-loving action 
is really important. Absolutely. And it's so, I think it's so great that we have Mental Health Awareness Month to sort of uplift all of this and encourage it even more. But it's a reminder for us to keep going even after the month ends and ongoingly and keep having these discussions. Like Blake said, simply just listening or opening up and letting it out is acting on this. It is making progress because the more that we talk about it, the more normal it becomes and the less of a struggle it is to go and get help or tell someone what you're going through or speak out about it or just normalize it. Because I mean, as we've said so many times before in this discussion and in this podcast, it's normal. It's something that we all go through. So we don't need to hide it or pretend that it's not there or hide behind a veil of perfectionism on social media or in our music. And then behind the scenes, be struggling. What's the point of that? There's, there's no point. Totally. I, it's so, refreshing. I work with a lot of young people through a lot of different venues, but you know, I'm 31, so I'm not like old, but I'm not young anymore. And I am fascinated and so encouraged by the young people who I come across who are so comfortable sharing their feelings and are so direct with them and so they have such an ability to tell you how they're feeling and they don't shy away from it and they say exactly what's going on. And because of it, it's like, we save so much time. And these, I'm telling you like kids, it's like this whole, like the whole Parkland group. It's just like that, that is the direction that I want to go in. That that's, that's what I want to see. So it's, it's very encouraging because I think, I think it's actually working. Um, and I, you, you can see it in young people. Yeah, it can be hard to think that we're making any progress. But then when you actually do look at the young people and how they act now, it's much easier to see that people are changing, people are becoming more open, and that, yes, it's not, you know, changes are slow. It's not like snap of a finger and everything happens at once. But I do feel like we can be encouraged that we're moving in a more positive direction. And especially with music like yours and bands like yours that are just talking out about these issues and making it, you know, in a way that everyone can listen to it and relate to it makes it even more fun, <laughs> even more fun to really just like progress in a positive way. And to remind everyone that a lot of mental health is not something that goes away. This is something you continue to work on, but it's not, you know, you don't go to the doctor and get antibiotics and all of a sudden you're fine this is a journey that you are on and probably will be on for the rest of your life. And that's okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Such a good reminder because it's not a one and done thing. Nothing with mental health is, and we're all growing and changing. So we can't expect it to be. Thank you guys so much for being on today. This was an amazing discussion and such an amazing way to kick off Mental Health Awareness Month. So where can we connect with you guys and where can we hear Black Dog? Besides on the podcast where we're going to play it in a couple minutes. <laughs> so you can check out Black Dog. It'll be available across all of our fine digital streaming vendors, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, SoundCloud. And we have a free download of Black Dog, which will be available on our Bandcamp, which is just uh, macabamericana.bandcamp.com. You can also check out our website, which is macabamericana.com, and you can follow us across social media at macabamericana. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys so much for being on today. I hope you have a great rest of the day. And without any further ado, here is Black Dog by Macabre Americana.